fucking dickheads. (laughs) Here comes a girl with long brown hair who can't be more than 17. She sucks on a red popsicle while she pushes a baby girl in a pink carriage. And I'm thinking, that must be her sister. That must be her sister. Right? They go into the 7-Eleven, and I keep walking. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. Going over to FBI to do a podcast where we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name's David James Young. I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, it's Andrew McDonald. Thank you for having me, David. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be snarky, my pretty friends. Very good. What a little SWAT, you know. Good good manners. Good manners get you everywhere, Andrew. (laughs) I love it. I'm into it. Yeah. My elbows are on the table, actually. Uh, uh Uh-oh. When you go home and your mum asks you, did you thank David for having you? (laughs) Yes, I did, mum. I don't want to hang out with David. He's annoying. He's a nice boy. Uh, He's a nice boy. I should let him sing on one of the tracks, Eddie. Uh Contractual friend by obligation, Adam Boncher is also here. Yeah, we need to talk about that. It's coming yeah. up for renewal. Yeah, yeah, uh, we, fair enough. We gotta talk dollars, man. Yeah, and uh, friend of friend of our my mom's uh, <laughs> friend of the, friend of the show, Nathan Harrison. <laughs> Harrison. Hi guys. We're only friends because our moms are friends. Yeah, so yeah. We don't go to the same school, but we have to hang out every time your mom comes over. They went so. to college together. We don't, yeah. like, oh, we don't like the same things, but there was like, why don't you just go and play together? Yeah, and cool. we're like, God, do I'm like gonna Pokemon? do this. Not really. Do you like Digimon? Not really. Do you like Dragon Ball Z? Not really. Do you like Lord of the Rings? Not really. Have you ever watched GTV? You fool! <laughs> what the fuck? I'm, are you an, doing? I'm an aggro kid. For fuck's sake. Oh, <laughs> Mum, I'm going over to <laughs> Susan's house. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first I thing I've Susan's CD. parents let her watch The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> But some family friends of mine, their parents, at the peak of the, like, I think when Pokemon Yellow came out, peak yeah. Pokemania, yeah. their parents, oh, yeah. when we met them, they were from Queensland, their parents didn't let them consume any Pokemon media. Oh. And to, to the point where my mum tried to, like, keep the peace between the families and everything like mm-hmm. that, didn't let me and my brothers keep have our, play our Game Boys. We were obviously devouring Pokemon like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like of kids. course. So we weren't allowed to play Pokemon in their when house they, on the yeah. holiday. It was like... This sucks ass. It's we're going to Queensland for a holiday. It's pouring rain. We're obviously going to the beach, and we can't buy Pokemon. Mm. Uh, that one, it's like okay, we'll just sit around and have light cheese. That's my holiday what experience. the fruit? Yeah, just consume light cheese. That was oh that was our fun time. That's a that's a snack, not an activity. And it's, for a kid, that's not a good <laughs> dessert. Yourself. It's not. A <laughs> it's a subtle flavor. The light cheese for a kid who's raised <laughs> yeah. on sugar. That's yeah. not a good fucking dessert. Your palate isn't there yet. No. Yeah, I I only still now only like lychee things. I don't think I sort <laughs> yeah. of fuck with the fruit. Yeah. <sighs> All right, let's fucking dig into this playdate, motherfuckers. At number sixty, this is Cooler Shaker with Hey Dude. Come to me, told me love the honey out there. Is it honey gold? 
Number 60 with Hey Dude. And we're going to throw to the dudiest dude that I know, Nathan Harrison. Cowabunga. Yeah. yeah. Radical, guys. Shaka bra. Radical. What's Cooler shaka. Cooler shaka. Fuck me. <laughs> That's why it's called the shaka. <laughs> oh, my God. After this band, after this completely forgotten 90s Britpop, <laughs> called Shaka. Uh, uh, the singer's I'm name. Not just, I'm not going to lie. When I saw the name, I was just like, isn't that African? Oh, no, no, no. That's Fela Kuti. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, how did he get it? Oh, I, <laughs> I wish there was a fella cootie yeah. song at number 60. If you want to go wash, now what are you going to do? I immediately thought Shaka Khan. Oh, oh nice. Or Cher Khan. <laughs> yeah, I immediately Khan. thought Cher Khan, but I was all cool as Shaka. <laughs> it's me, Cher Khan. Cher Khan the tiger. Uh, the, singer, the singer of this band's name is Crispian Mills, which it sounds is. like a really bad breakfast cereal. <laughs> <laughs> you, you stay at you, off brand. You stay you at your friend's house overnight, yeah. and in the morning, know. their mum's like, oh, "I've got some you, you crispy and Mills," and you're just like, "What the fuck is this cereal?" You're like, "Oh, I feel I'm like I'm ten. I feel too awkward to ask for not what you've given me for <laughs> breakfast. Like, I don't I, know if I want to eat crispy and Mills. <laughs> do you, do you want some milk? Oh, we have powdered milk. Oh, <laughs> you're sprinkling powdered milk over on your crispy. We call it we call it powdered Mills." <laughs> Your mate and his brother are going to town on it. <laughs> How good is breakfast? You're like, oh, I'm full. We're regressing. Like, <laughs> this, yeah, this is the episode so, where we regress. <laughs> so I think I think oh, a defining trait of '90s Britpop bands is is building <laughs> <breakfast>. on <laughs> is breakfast. It's the most important Britpop meal, meal of it's the, the day. It's the most important meal of the genre. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm Jarvis Cocker, <laughs> and I eat crispy meals <laughs> for breakfast. <laughs> Come on, Come on Jarvis. Jarvis. Come on, Jarvis. Let's Give us a bowl. Mills. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think an important trait is that they build on uh, particularly like a lot of 80s uh, British bands. Madness comes to mind. Like, Bowie as well. And Bowie. They build on, on earlier British music work, but push it forward. And, yeah. and I think each of the big Britpop bands, you think of Oasis, Pulp, they're pushing that voice and, and um, blur as well. Like yeah. there's a, a social aim to that, and a lot we've talked mm. about, you know, Thatcher's Britain and all that sort of thing. And but they're pushing something forward. They're trying to find something new, build on the past, and make a new discovery or whatever. This sounds like a prep school '60s and '70s tribute band. Mm. I'm not saying all other Britpop has an authenticity about it because it doesn't. But this is—I just think this is so lacking. It's just oh, and how? And I know we could 
throw it at a lot of songs and songs that I like too, but it just feels so derivative. And if you stripped away all of the historical stylistic little things of like, oh, look how, you know, there's just not really any song left underneath. I don't like this at all. You know what I drew an immediate parallel to when I listened to this actually is Wolf Mother and Jet. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I would definitely went to um, Show Jet. you're yeah. working. Also, okay, you want me to? All right, yes, it's please. Just, just basically the idea that a band that is devoid of the context of a musical style is generating music in that style in a and way receiving that, a claim for it, and receiving a claim for it, and just and just kind of doing it in a way that matches the style but not the spirit and in this case it's kind of doing it with two styles it's got a foot in the world of psychedelic rock and in the world of Britpop and realistically when you listen to it you go like oh right this band was intending to combine psychedelic rock and Britpop and they did and it mathematically just checks out in terms of what you're hearing to me it sounds like a like a lame uncle British version of the Flaming Lips yeah, yeah well that's an interesting really? yeah, yeah I can get that, that too yeah like, I show you're working <laughs> but I guess like Relatively straightforward rock music with a psychedelic twinge. Like, yeah. like, like I like the Flaming Lips, but that is what they do. Um, I, I should also clarify on my on my Jet and Wolf Mother comment as well. I don't necessarily mean that as a slight. I don't mean that necessarily derogatory. Although it could be that way if you aren't a fan of Wolf Mother and Jet. I think likely if that's the case, you're not a fan of this band. But if you are, then maybe you're more receptive to yeah. the, to this song. Those bands and this song as well. You can be seduced by it. You, but it's it's kind of what uh, last week Nathan you were talking about with that Deaf Effect song. It's it's the difference between active listening and passive listening because there's a lot of enjoyment to still be had, especially in the chorus of this song. The the Hey Dude bit is especially, <laughs> and then you know like the the backing guys kind of like singing out Hey Dude really long. Ugh. There's a I, it's enjoyable to me. Like oh, that no. part uh, that part specifically is enjoyable to me. But then. There's just something about, and this is really important. Something about the attitude and 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 kind of character of the band that comes through, even in the music that puts people off. But this happened even more <laughs> when you look into the. This is a band that the more you know, the less easy it is to like them. <laughs> because the singer's name, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes it a bit easier. Well, I think it's uh, stylistically. I think it's oh, telling. Delicious. Anyone want some crispy <laughs> I couldn't. Their most well-known song is a Deep Purple cover. And it's just like, well, that's it, isn't it? Smoke on the water. Hush. The whole reason that these guys were, were kind of very divisive at the time is that they had this real fascination with Indian culture. Oh, really, they really. They were Probo. So, they were or, heaps Probo. It's a flag. Especially, so, especially uh, as a British. But that's Any the white thing. person being like, I'm really interested in India. But if you're British and you're, it's just an extra level of... Mm. Mm. But they were, they were like, unlike a lot of other Britpop bands as well, they were from a quite a privileged background as well. Um, and, you know, I mean, now we're wading into the legitimacy of, of those kind of criticisms and whatever. Make your own mind of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying that this existed at the time, you know, to the point where they actually wrote lyrics in Sanskrit. Fuck off. They did oh. not. They did. They actually did. Um, right. Yeah, they wrote, they wrote song titles and lyrics in Sanskrit. Um, and the oh. name Kula Shaka is actually an Indian emperor from the 8th century. Of course it is. Um, so I, 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 guess I, you're I, saying, I didn't love it to begin with. But <laughs> I guess you're saying my Jungle Book reference wasn't so off the mark. Hey. <laughs> hey. Oh, no, I can't be bothered with that. I, I have no time for that sort of nonsense. They had a few other bands before this as well. Um, and a really great little... Side note is they uh, they also owned a psychedelic nightclub oh at the back, so much. out the back of an ice skating rink. 
See, the more you know. I'm sorry, I just threw up my crispy and mills. The other thing is that I, that I love about this is because like you listen to it and you straight away go like, these guys kind of sound like Oasis. Oasis thought so too. <laughs> That's why they got them to support them. <laughs> That's like the, I mean, the majority you of like the su- Oasis. You might like also Oasis. <laughs> yeah, it's just like oh, you guys sound a lot like us. I think you're great. <laughs> it's yeah. basing like straightforward rock, like particularly in like feels like summer chorus. Like is incredibly uncool. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh god, it's like, the worst. Yeah, everything about this song is just so fucking lame. So I, I didn't hate it that much. I hate the band more that I've learned about their Told bullshit. You. It like, happens. This would be fine I, on a compilation. Dumb. I wouldn't skip it, but like I'm not gonna go to it. Like I'm not so like, oh, I'm like why bother making music because it made the money and there's <laughs> and they probably had fun doing it. That's the probably good reason took a holiday to India. Yeah, like but like it's just so you're right about being devoid of. Like creative spark, it's a it's a thumbs down from me. <laughs> the whole uh, being interested in Indian culture had a really unfortunate culmination as well because he definitely, in an interview, oh. said oh. some stuff about the swastika. Oh no! And oh, no. saying that he thought Fuck, he's the Richard Spencer of. <laughs> <laughs> what, he just, what about the swastika? We said it's. I think it's a really beautiful symbol, referring to as he was the traditional oh, Indian. Yeah. But then, but you know, that's pretty the British media death. who love a good, you know, swastika story. Yeah, yeah they just like, jumped on that really hard. Yeah, honestly, yeah. like you should know better than to you, say yeah, that. That's it. But like, oh, but like, oh, like obviously, like devoid of context and meaning, the aesthetics of a swastika obviously aren't intrinsically bad. No, it's the fact that it's tied to the yeah. murder of millions of innocent. Well, people. and that's the thing, and in and in the context of you know Indian culture, which he was definitely what he was referring to. You know, it probably stands for so I don't know enough about the swastika or Indian culture to make this call, but it, it's. Yeah, it's, it's definitely for peace, I think. Yeah, cool, great. It's the opposite, opposite way. Yeah, yeah, goddamn! You, if you're in that interview, you need to spend a lot of words saying, "Listen, just a disclaimer: what I'm about to say is specifically related to this context, and please understand yeah. it, or just don't say anything about it and at all because t- it doesn't mean that yeah. anymore." For to most be people. fair, because uh, I read a bit about this too. Yeah, like, yeah, he, it's interesting. They sort of unreservedly apologized and they were like, "We, you know, we are kids. This was just naivety, and yeah. we're very sorry. We like." Are unconditionally, you know, against Nazism of and, and all far right yeah, ideology, like you know, yeah, they, yeah, which is good. They they, they, uh, they yeah, responded they, to it well. It's just the kind of thing where you you know you're a dumb guy called Crispian Mills, and you're like, <laughs> oh, did you guys know that the swastika is actually this beautifully spiritual symbol? And you're like, all right, man, yeah. Just, but that I, I think I brought it up. I not, understand not that sure. up, there is nothing bastard. in your music to talk about in an interview, <laughs> yeah. and you actually yeah. don't have anything worthwhile saying. But don't say that either. Yeah, it's I, I brought it up not to say like you know, oh, also these guys are Nazis, no. but it was like, also these guys, you know, are lacking in awareness to this extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Fuck, no, I really love the taste, man. Have we got any more? No. Damn it! That was limited edition. I got Age of Empires 2 in that box. Ooh yeah! And number 59, this is Tumbleweed with Silver. Oh, is it?
59 with Silver Lizard. Uh, this is our is this our second or third time talking about tumbleweed? Third, third, third. sick. Well, we Charm. ate at, we ate at Tony's Chicken Shop last time. Where should we Where should we get lunch this time? Well, I'm still full from those crispy. <laughs> 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 we'll meet. There's been Ahmad's. Yeah, yeah, a cup yeah. of tea. Chico's. Go to Chico's. <laughs> okay, we'll go to Chico's. It'll be chickalicious. Yeah, this is, I think, tumbleweed at like their stoner rockiest best. <laughs> this is just oh, legit. This this is a. It's so straight like, up weed groovy idea. as hell. Fantastic song. This is. Like, I think, like, I'm not the hugest Tumbleweed fan, but, like, what I do like about them is songs like this, and I imagine if you are people who are big Tumbleweed fans, this is what you go to see the Tumbleweed gigs for. This oh, is yeah, yeah. relaxing, cool, like, around, like, around, like, a third into it when the second guitar comes in. So good. Oh, yeah. overdriven just fuzz. Just extra crunch. Just like, like, oh, shit. This is what's happening right now. It was now. so, yeah. like, low. Like, I kind of thought it was a sax for a second. Like, I was mm. just like, fuck, like, Stooges style, like, yeah. and I was like, that would have been fucking lit. But when I realized it was the second guitar, I'm like, I'm okay with this. It's mm. still fucking sick. Yeah. The, Everything like, about this song is fucking sick. Yeah. The, like, the, the fuzzy as hell guitar, like, two tickets, please. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, wonderful. Like, all Tumbleweed songs, it's never, like, surprising or like oh my god they did that they went with that choice like, yeah, yeah. but that's not what you go to Tumbleweed for they're like yeah. you go to Tumbleweed because like they're playing at fucking Kemblerstock Baby Machine have played you had yeah, a couple baby. of joints from an old dude and you relax and then on come the weed and they're just yes. like dun, 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 dun. Yes, yeah and yeah they're fun and cool as shit and this is a cool as shit song it's sunglasses indoors Cool guy music. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. 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 But, yeah. But it's but because it, I also said sunglasses indoors for cooler shaker. Like that was the way I described that. Sunglasses. They were aviators. These are like just like sick wayfarers that they now they're speed dealers. And, yeah. <laughs> they're, speed dealers yeah. that you pick up at the chemist for like five bucks. Yeah, they're they're off Point brand. Tumbleweed are wearing them inside because the light is too bright because they're hungover. Yeah. Not, not, <laughs> they be, not because they the like glasses, the look. You see their yeah. fucking eyes. You're like, what the fuck happened yeah. to you last night? Cool, cooler shaker need people to see them wearing sunglasses yeah. indoors. Tumbleweed uh, like they, they shield themselves from the sun. They yeah. wouldn't yeah. even think about taking them off. Yeah. They, they they just they forgot. And this is interesting because you know like talking about cooler shaker and then directly going into Tumbleweed, apart from, you know, like, playful sunglasses comparisons. Yeah. They're, they're kind of doing a similar thing because these guys are doing psychedelic rock, you know, they're arguably coming at it from a similar point of view, but I, I don't know, for some reason there's there's love in this and I think the spirit, what I was talking about, is kind of missing, is kind of being translated here. Like, it's not done for fashion. The, the boys just love it. Yeah. It's just what the boys do. I, although I will have a, con- a confession in terms of my relation to this song. Because when I first heard it, I didn't know it was Tumbleweed. I didn't see who it was. And I was kind of judging it a little bit from the beginning. Like, oh, what's going on here? Like, And all these <laughs> pseudo-spiritual lyrics kind of not really amounting to much. And then, and I, I don't know how this reflects on me. I saw it's like, oh, it's Tumbleweed. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. This is fine. This is great. Uh-huh. I have the same yeah. thing, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. listening to it, I, I'm like, I, I don't know how, if I would be much more critical of it if this wasn't a band that I was just like inherently biased towards. Your mates. They're, like, ju- they're mates. just your mates. That's it. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I think this is. I, I think this is a great song. I think Me the second guitar Absolutely. is amazing. That, yeah, that moment where the second guitar comes in, I went back to it just to listen yeah. to that moment. I think. The like bizarre stoner lyrics are incredible. In yeah, the middle, they, I can see like a centipede. It's like what? That, it's just it's great. I love that they love like when they when they're reaching for something, they just automatically go to insects. Yeah, 
Like it's that we had Daddy Long Legs before, yeah, exactly. yeah, yep. and, like, and I think that's kind of it as well. Like if this was a, the first time I'd ever heard Tumbleweed, I would it would kind of be like when you're at a party and all of a sudden you find yourself talking to a guy and he's just he's just talking about DMT a lot. <laughs> um, but like this is like someone I already know, and I know that they're a, you know a cool enough person that writes songs about. Daddy long legs is, <laughs> and now they're talking to me about DMT. I'm like, whatever, guys. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. So I don't know. I I feel like I, I I guess I'm trying to leave open the possibility for someone to have a negative reaction to this song and maybe yeah. like, you know what? That's fine because True. I'm not sure that I am being as objective as as I should be. You can't with mm. this. Band. I just don't know how to with tumbleweed. You know what? That's fine if someone thinks this isn't a great song. I get a lot of joy out of loving this song, and that's enough. But I think this is a heap. I think it, for Tumbleweed standard, Devin, this, this is a particularly fun group. Yeah, song. you're um, on board with me, right, Dage? Please, oh, I'm, on, I'm yeah. on board too. Oh, I just, I just, you know, I just question myself yeah. because I know that I'm biased towards anything connected to Kembla stock. If anything, like that, that bias that I have towards Tumbleweed is another reason why I'm biased towards Tumbleweed in itself. Because they're my yeah. mates. Yeah. <laughs> they always have been. They're my they always mates, will they're be. your mates. They're fucking... They're everyone's mates. Yeah. They're old mates' mates. Yeah, exactly. Smash a couple of tinnies down at the brewery, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you should take joints from old people, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Just chill out. Tumbleweed fans. Dude, he was, he was 17. Andrew, he maybe I should Most of them are older than me when I was 17 at Cumberstock. <laughs> oh, so when you say old guy, you mean like someone our age. Probably. <laughs> that's, to- that's totally fine. Old mate. That's totally fine. You know, you know, they fucking they don't call him Andrew. I shouldn't have done the second one, McDonald's for nothing. <laughs> oh. Rolls off the tongue. I, I, right. I, I hoped they had done that for nothing. <laughs> At number fifty-eight, this is Everclear once again with Heart Spark Dollar Sign. Sign marking the return of Everclear from their classic Sparkle and Fade. Now, you may remember Everclear from such hits as Heroin Girl from last year's top 10. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's one of those weird technicalities where, like, the album came out the year before, but they released a couple of extra singles, including a very very famous single from this album, but we will talk about that one a little bit later. We're going to talk about one of the more obscure, uh, lesser-known uh, singles, uh, which mm. still, even then, did remarkably well at the time, uh, Heartspark Dollar Sign. Now, the thing I love about this record is that, you know, it does come in that wake of, you know, Kirk Cobain dying and, you know, alternative rock kind of being mildly directionless and not really sure what to do. This incorporates that kind of 
energy of that early grunge era, but it also takes it in a much more poppy direction, you know, like it's got big swinging, like replacement style guitar and the choruses are, you know, much bigger, much more focused. With Nirvana and like grunge choruses to to most extents, you know, like it wasn't really like, and the hook goes here and then the big thing goes here. It was just like, we're just fucking doing whatever, you know, like I think there's a sense, a lot more sense of calculation with this era of Hmm. uh, alternative rock. And like, I think Sparkle and Fade as a record is pretty exemplary of that. Some people might see it as a good thing. Some people might see it as a bad thing. I'm just saying it is what it is. And for this era of alternative rock, I think few bands did it better than Everclear. Like, I really, really love this record. Obviously, it's heaps probo these days, some of the shit that goes on on that record, namely Heroin Girl (laughs) and a handful of other things. But, uh, you know, like, for the time, you know, it was this really kind of fresh and really energetic kind of record. And... This this plays into it. It's not like the strongest song on the record. Like I personally wouldn't have wouldn't have picked it as one of the main singles from the record, but I can definitely see why people connected with it and why it's still like a big hit at their sets to this day. Like yeah, it's a very clear, well constructed pop song. It just happens to have a bit of kick ass guitar behind it. So that's kind of what I I'm, I'm drawn to for for Everclear and this era of Everclear in particular. They lost the magic a long time ago, mostly when um the other members of the band left or got kicked out depending on who you asked (laughs) shout out to art who i once into i I told you guys that. yeah yeah yeah, Yeah. you did when we talked about heroin girl like i'm just like fuck you're a magical asshole (laughs) actually um, any interviews with i've I've looked at quite a few interviews with him and they're all pretty amazing for oh yeah he's such a he's an amazing asshole like it's not even where you get mad it's just it's that beaten fucking dennis leary you know you really are an asshole (laughs) (laughs) one of the ones that i looked at he was talking about the anniversary of uh, sparkling fade to a writer from spin um yeah he asked them their age and then stopped to give them life advice during the interview <laughs> and they and they transcribed amazing. everything word oh. for word and it was pretty magic like, how old are you 28 it's like oh well here's my advice to you you should just go out and live you know what i mean don't worry Man, about I was 25 this. when i interviewed art i got no fucking oh. life advice he was like this guy's got it together already yeah. That's true. there's <laughs> nothing i can teach him this is just a country song though right i feel yeah. like the songwriting okay, yeah, to the yeah. guitar licks to like the melody like honestly do wouldn't have picked that. Possibly. I just right from the start. I was just, this just feels like a sort of rocked up country song. I think you could yeah you could do a country cover of this song without pretty much changing anything. His voice then, doesn't. His voice goes a long way yeah, towards that. Yeah, but, and also yeah. the content of the song. I think you're possessed by uh, by a power that's bigger than the pain. Is such a like that's a really good line. I, I, but no, no, like no, 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 go on. I think that's the sort of line that when you're a teenager, who I believe he the, was. Yeah, it's and, based on a true story, and and also that's the people that this is written for kind of thing. I, I think you reach out for those kind of lines. I, th- I think you go, you grab that stuff and you're like, that's cool. True. That's like, you know, that's going to help me when my mum yells at me or buys too much crispy meals or something. I don't, whatever. I thought, <laughs> you're, right, I like, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yep. I was like, no, that's a kind of cool line or whatever. I argue about the context of where that line came from, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of um, I'm the hero that race needs in, in the song. Of like, <laughs> yeah. I'm... I'm yeah. so, you know, like, I'm such a good person because I'm doing this. Everyone around me is crap, but I have a black girlfriend. And it's just like, <sighs> oh, this is really hard to navigate yeah. because there's so much yeah. I want to. But also, this is a good thing for you to write a song about. And 
it's kind of like this is uh and and doing that now is shit but maybe in the 90s you know, like, I, that's, they broke I, a lot I, of ground I legit didn't even like factor that into my head i just <laughs> i'm just so used to just being like dah, 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 that i i barely even fucking stopped to fucking <laughs> listen to the lyrics at yeah, all it, it, you it, know this song from way back of, right yeah well yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm coming to this fresh years. so yeah oh yeah. look because it is a bit like like i'm not racist look at my girlfriend lois sunglasses who's black by the way <laughs> yeah like, you know oh, the people in this town can't handle the fact that i have a black girlfriend that's exactly yeah. doesn't bother me yeah. but it makes me feel if immediately as soon as i heard the line with my black girlfriend i'm like whoa it's, it's just like just, it's just, what are you like but i making think such a thing of it man like <laughs> but i of, think in the mid 90s you maybe have to like I don't know. I think it's more positive than it's negative, and it's it doesn't age well that kind of thing. But even like you going back to the line that you mentioned, like the you know she said you know I'm with this black girl and she's you know like she taught me how to see through you yeah know, the pain is yeah like, that's kind of placing you, you're still creating the yeah. other there dude no like, no you know I what know. I mean but also it's hard because we're coming to this from a very different situation uh, than yeah yeah the American South in the 90s yeah. or even 80s at that point you know like it's it's hard but then there's also like this song in America didn't do as well as the other singles. And that just makes me want to defend it even more because oh, if, if okay. a large part of their base is like college dude bros that are like, mm. I don't like this song. I'm all like, fuck you guy. Like this song is great. <laughs> you don't like this song. Cause you're a race. I don't know. It's weird. Like it's, you're, um, you're right. It's weird. And I think like, that's the primary reaction that I have to it. And the way he phrases it, and the way, as, as you said, he places himself at the center and as the hero of the story and whatever. I think even to the detriment of the girlfriend in terms of the lyrics, like, you know, she she's kind of only there to make him seem really progressive, yeah. which is not. But again, like I'm reading it. I can't divorce myself from my context when I come to this song now. But that just means that I can't ever relax with it because it just puts, yeah. it puts me on edge and it makes me feel uncomfortable. It's really yeah. difficult. Because but obviously I, racism is bad. Like, obviously it yeah. is. Obviously racism is stupid and silly. But it's like the fact you're pointing that out to me as well is kind of gets me offside. It's yeah, like, but I it, know but that. It's just, I don't know. It's just like... For, it, it, it is a different time. Exactly. Yeah. But, I, but, I, but I can't live in that time. Of course. Like, yeah. so it's, it's and so it's hard. just like even if problems are, you know, like endemic, if there are hardly any songs being written about it then a song that is about it is good yeah. i don't know yeah. it's look i like that you're bringing this opinion because it's what i can't have it's, it's... i can't i can't get to where you're at so i'm glad that you're <laughs> no, at your good. where you're at and you can bring that to me because i've just been sitting i do think outside of all that mess which is very hard to <laughs> navigate and whatever and i do come on the side that it's better like it's it does more good than bad that's probably a safe side to be on i think it's it's also a fairly catchy song like it works as a as a pop rock song uh, i don't dislike listening to it it's not like there's no like whoa i can't believe you threw in a bridge before the chorus but it's just like it it works I oh think. i think it's terrible it's boring all oh, right yeah i, I don't i don't go. like it musically at all yeah, yeah, I his, thought, his voice is annoying i, I don't like it like, i thought i thought it was a bit like well it was interesting when you said before david you really hit the nail on the head when you said about how it t- it takes pop sensibilities as, as i've remarked many times i mm. loved exploring what grunge is doing in the wake of Kirk yeah, 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 yeah. and adding pop punk sensibilities isn't something that i would ever have thought they would have done but upon reflection on paper it makes perfect sense because uh. it was the previously huge genre and the new genre mm. that they're pushing that like the record, major record labels are pushing as being like what the kids want <laughs> and then seeing Everclear be like oh well we'll just combine them or maybe it was a strong hand of the record exec being like you'll just combine them <laughs> <laughs> and but the outcomes are to me it's really like color your own rock and roll band like this is, <laughs> it, you do it this way you do this this way you do this this way it's real by the numbers to me i'm um, like yeah it doesn't feel like there's a 
huge amount of original thought put into this song. Uh, you mentioned yeah. the word color. Sorry, I have to I have to zoom in on this point. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Relation- no, 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 no. What I mean is that prior to this song being an Everclear song, it was in Art's previous band whose name was Colorblind, which oh, I think is just no. like it's just like if it wasn't ham fisted enough. Oh no! Actually, well, they were called Colorblind, then they changed the name to Color Finger. What color finger? <laughs> <laughs> Again, though, growing it? up in the American South in in the eighties or whenever, valid. Yeah, like maybe it's maybe it's a really awesome ballsy move to name your band Colorblind. Like, yeah. I don't know, and I also think there like there must have been record execs and stuff that were like, you can't. I don't want you to release this song as a single. Mm. I, you know, like you're a, you're a cool band. You can sing about heroin or whatever you want, but we yeah. don't want to touch this stuff. And I don't know, maybe that's projecting, but I I I, I like the band for doing this even though I think there would have been people that told them not to. But no, I, no, I agree. no, no, It's not an amazing song. And it is based on Art's personal experience yeah, yeah. as well. People connect this song to Van Morrison's Brown-Eyed Girl, oh, uh, yeah. which is also said to be about an interracial relationship mm. that people aren't on board with. Everclear covered Brown-Eyed Girl. Has anyone listened to it? No. I can't say that I have. It's unfathomably bad. <laughs> Oh, dearie fucking me. Well, we don't get to talk about that era of Everclear, thankfully. Um, But uh, we do have one last song to talk about by Everclear, and we will get to that eventually. At number 57, this is Rebecca's Empire with So Rude. Number 57 in the 1996 Hottest 100 with a song called So Rude. And we're going to throw it to the rudest boy that I know. Rude boy! Rude boy! <laughs> oh, God, we just talked about fucking appropriation. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> rude boy! This is as if we're about to talk about Drake. Okay, well, let's talk about Rebecca's Empire. Yeah. Okay. Here we are. Yeah, quick yeah. recap. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah. Quick refresher course. Uh, Rebecca's Empire. We've talked about them twice before, I believe. Previously uh, on Hottest Hundreds and Thousands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they immediately stole the hearts of at least half the room when we found out that the reason that they became successful as a band was through a TISM cover. Um, a really great way to get, you know, half To a, be a band. Kids of the, the day. Yeah. If, you, if you're thinking about getting into music, start with a TISM cover. Sure. Work for Rebecca's Empire. Start with an obscure TISM cover. Yeah, really obscure. Yeah. Shouldn't be a popular or, like, good song. Yeah, ideally pre-trucking songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how you get it. We should take the. We should go to schools and just talk to music classes and be <laughs> like, "You want to get into the biz? This is how you do it." Sorry, Adam. Continue. <laughs> well, they had some big hits. Dudes from Melbourne, well supported by the Jays, kind of like a Jays project in terms of like bringing up 
a band from Australia and getting some hits out of them and getting some hits around to the people yeah. um, and doing it very successfully. It, it kind of, again, like makes listening to songs by Rebecca's Empire makes me reflect upon how Australia really did the female-fronted alternative rock thing really well. At least that's mm. what I thought. I was just like, man, think of all the bands that we've talked about that have kind of done this. And then I went back to try and list them, like actually list them. And, you know, from this countdown, we've got the Mavises, we've got Dead Star. And there's a couple of others. But honestly, the majority of times that I was thinking of those songs, I was thinking of Rebecca's Empire. Mm. So uh, Atomic. Uh, Atomic, Atomic Electric, Electric, Empty, Yep. Uh, the other two <clears throat> songs. And I think that is probably one of the most glowing praises that I have for the band. It's like I have associated an entire kind of sound and created like these these kind of extra limbs to this band, these phantom bands <laughs> <laughs> that, that supposedly had the same sound as them simply because they these guys were so present and they created such wonderfully iconic 90s female-fronted Australian rock at this time. Like it, it, that, that is definitely a, a, a flavour and character that is unique and this band was exemplary of it. And I think this song is just another string to what is already a very powerful bow. The way that her voice breaks in the chorus in particular is very endearing. Um, the kind of lethargic, sarcastic tone that it creates, we've also heard from similar songs from them, and I think it does very yeah. well for it. It's really easy to get behind. It's cool. It's cool. Mm. You want to be seen to be listening to this song. I think you would definitely in the 90s as well. Um, you want to be getting along to their concerts because the people you're going to hang out with at those concerts are going to be cool people. Rebecca's Empire are a cool band. They do cool things. When I said that uh, Everclear kind of wrote by the numbers, there's nothing, like, I guess, compositionally that radical about this that makes me think otherwise, but, like, the mm. charisma and charm it, yeah. of the whole thing carry it through. Also, like, it's a weird choice, but the ending kind of drum and bass sample works really fucking I well. I think so, yeah. I really liked it. The way they play with different levels of fidelity throughout the song creates, you know, more texture than they would yeah, be had yeah. they not made those choices, for yeah. sure. Also, great, great moment at the end where she says, you're a fucking bastard. <laughs> Yeah, just like really bring it at home. It's like this yeah. is an Australian yeah. kind of homegrown band. Yeah, like, Drongo. really, really. <laughs> yeah, fuckhead. Yeah, yeah. fuckhead. Yeah. yeah, it's just nice. Like, it's yeah. super fun. Yeah, I quite like all the different tones they play with. I think the guitar does a really nice job of. It's not quite grungy, but there's an element of that sort of sludginess in the heavier bits, and they play with that dynamic quite nicely as well. Yep solid song and it's like yeah i just enjoyed listening to this i would enjoy this on the radio and i'd be pretty stoked to have it in the countdown i think it, it doesn't escape its context but i think that that's more of a pro than it is a con yeah. because i think it is so emblematic of a certain time and place um at a certain moment in you know australia's musical landscape um so i think the fact that you know when you listen to it now you immediately go like oh man this sounds this sounds really 90s alternative great <laughs> yeah, totally. good because yeah. it is yeah and it's just a really good example of that you know yeah. similar to dead star we yeah. talked about you know a couple of episodes back. No, yeah, this is this is super catchy, super likable. Like the heartbreaking thing for me about Rebecca's Empire is that for all they their were effort, racists. What? No, I don't know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> mostly yeah. No, it's just one of those things where they they are one of those bands that you can see put in so much effort and like you know probably toured fairly consistently and put in a lot of effort. They have to, but, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, you can just tell in your heart of hearts that Rebecca's Empire was nobody's favorite band. Mm. Like you just, I say, could believe I that them. it was. Everyone would have said, yeah, I like Rebecca's Empire a lot. I've got one of their albums. I bought one of their albums. I've seen them live twice, maybe. 
you know, mm. like... But that's still I can't love. Imagine, that's I can't, real love. Like, is for, it? For, just yeah. saying, oh, yeah, I think they're, I think they're all right. I think no, they're pretty I, good. I think, it was more, I think it was more like, if you see their name on a poster, you would consider going to that gig. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So it's like yeah, while they're not they're, while they're not anyone's favorite band, for them to like it's like, hey, do you want to come to the pub? Rebecca's Empire playing. Oh, sick! Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, cool. yeah. maybe no, I will. I, I don't I like you that a, much, yeah. but I like that band. <laughs> <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> you're the Crispian Mills of Friends, <laughs> but I'll come to that band. Oh my god, I just found some more. <laughs> Fuck, I can't get enough of this shit. Hey. I quite like in the lyrics too. I, there's something really nice about you know the refrain just being "you're so rude." That's such a like yeah. 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 Oh, and it's, turning it's, rude into like a seven syllable word. Yeah. Like, yeah. Legit. There's something so ineffectual about the word rude. But then mm. the other lyrics, you know, like how come she still has to hide her body from you? There's a violence in that. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, and I think the counterpoint of having those verse lyrics be quite dark, and then it just coming back to "you're so rude." Is really really nice. I don't. I I can't quite articulate yeah, what's cool, sure. but, but I think there's some really nice songwriting there. Yeah. And then and then to finish it off by saying you're a fucking bastard as well. Like it's just yeah. There's a breadth of what's going on in the song that it's is almost, really nice and a little bit playful, yeah. but also well that creates a tension in a way. Yeah. It's exactly. like, yes. I, I'm 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 going to be you know I'm going to hold back and just call you rude until the very end. It's like I can't deal with this yeah. anymore. I have to say what I really think. Yeah. Know? Exactly. Which is really mm. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a really a really good element of the song. For sure. Yeah, no, it's it's sick. I'm surprised we got to talk about them this much, to yeah. be perfectly yeah. honest. I believe that all the tracks came off the same album, weirdly enough. I think you might be right there. Which is strange because um, it's it's been a long like it's a it's a long span, so there must have been a staggered release on some of them or it must be a singles thing on I some think of them. Maybe the first one came from N E P or something. Right. Yeah, and then the other two. But yeah. But but Still. it was later to be included on the album as well. Yeah, that would maybe make that's sense. It. That would, if anyone was looking to dig up, you know, a, a lost gem kind of nineties uh, Australian album for for you know for this the, would be alt rock fans yeah. definitely definitely dig up that Rebecca's Empire one because it seemed to be quite big and it's got and some if you tunes. Can find the Tism cover, please email us. <laughs> Me and Andrew have been looking everywhere. <laughs> I don't mean to trouble you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, at fifty six, it is the debut of Eels, and we are going over to Susan's house. Eels, Eels, Eels. Skin. 
Royals at number 56 in the 1996 Hottest 100 Up Inside You with the song Susan's House from the album Beautiful Freak. Quick crash course on Eels. Solo project of one Mark Oliver Everett, who has led one of the most tragic and fucked up lives one could possibly imagine. Everything that could go wrong, did go wrong. Drugs, death, more drugs, more death, everything in between. But he is still alive and still telling tales so many years on. I think he's about 13 records in. Most recent was a couple of years ago. Uh, You would probably be familiar with a handful of his hits, namely Novocaine for the Soul, Mr. E's Beautiful Blues, I Like Birds, and maybe even this song, which is from the acclaimed debut album and my personal favourite Eels record, Beautiful Freak. My beloved monster is also from this record. You might know it from the Shrek soundtrack. (laughs) Everyone's beloved monster. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Your mate. (laughs) Your mate, our mate. Shrek. Oh, <laughs> I really, I really love when you look at the Wikipedia and it says like he's also contributed songs for films and he's listed a couple of films and it goes like Shrek, Shrek Two, <laughs> Shrek Three. I mean Shrek like, the Third. Yeah. Sorry, I do. Yeah. Shrek goes forth. <laughs> and then it no, just Shrek Four Ever After. Thank um, you. It pretty much every Shrek movie. Hey, look, if you can get on the Shrek money train, then oh, you, know, dude, you stay yeah. on that train. There's it a worked, whole fuck it money it worked on for that Tom Waits and Nick Cave <laughs> yeah, also exactly. on the Shrek Two soundtrack. Look where they are now. I can't exactly. think of anyone else. All right. I can't think of anyone else who contributed a song to Shrek that's, you know, become known for it. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's that's the idea. Yeah. No, yeah. no one, yeah. no one yeah. off the top. Oh, Rufus Wainwright, I guess. Oh, oh yes. That was, <laughs> I was thinking there was somebody. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. So, somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Eels is a project that has had many different forms and many different sounds. Uh, it's gone from bedroom folk to weird, nasty, loud, grungy blues to hip-hop and everywhere in between. It is literally the definition of alternative music. Anything and everything that Mr. Everett has tried over the years has succeeded in one way or another, and I've found him a constant, fascinating part of the alternative music climate for as long as he's been making music, which, as we have documented, has been a real long fucking time. Susan's House is part spoken word, part sample of an obscure 70s soul song, uh, which was also sampled uh, by a group called Atmosphere. Thought I saw you yesterday, but I didn't stop because you was walking the opposite way. Mm -hmm. And Um. by an Australian hip-hop artist by the name of Pez. It's kind of funny when you think of all the fun house. Taking this long to shake last year's come down. Forget the past. But uh, that's a different matter entirely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's strange that this song did chart and did do really well, considering it does everything within its power for those few seconds that there isn't a hook, just to make it so antithetically catchy. Because mm. the beat is, you know, off and obnoxious. It's part spoken word. There's a moment where fucking E just goes off and sings in a completely <laughs> different key to the home key, which is really interesting. The key is in G sharp, and then he starts singing in D for whatever reason. So, you know, follow your, follow your truth, I guess. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Somehow this bizarre concoction and this wonderful, weird little song manages to work. I am just completely enamored by this album and this song and just the imagery that comes with it and that kind of desperation of needing to go and see someone even though they're like 
really, really far away. Mm. Like, it's just, mm. it, there's a dependency there, you know, and a kind of sort of desperation, which kind of plays mm. into a lot of E's music. And yeah, I, I think this is absolutely wonderful. And I'm, I'm really glad that we got to, we get to talk about Eels uh, a little bit throughout this podcast, including a little bit later on in this particular yeah, true. countdown. E. Mm. Yeah, I think the desperation and the um and the and you know seeking solace in someone else comes yeah, across yeah, yeah. really strongly, and also and finding it as well in the chorus. I think there's a yeah, sense of relief when that piano comes in. I mean, it's such a cozy piano line, isn't it? It's there's gorgeous. something. There's something Thanks, about Gladys it. Knight and the Pips. Yeah. Absolutely, like there's something about it that just brings you home, um, or brings you to a state of, or of, to someone's or home. Your home doesn't have to be your home. Your mate's house can be mm. Susan's house. The way that it's structured to me is just like almost to do with like when your eyes are open and when your eyes are closed. It's kind of like I'm opening my eyes and I because I have to because I have to get to this place, but I have to keep reminding myself by closing my eyes and imagining where I'm going because it's mm. it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth wa- walking past all this stuff that makes me existentially sad because when I get there there's going to be this person who I care about and who cares about me, which is more important than all the other horrible stuff that I'm kind of witnessing and, and the way that that's making me feel. It is a song about going home in a way. And it yeah. is a song mm. about, you know, finding your little your little piece, your little place, mm. um, whether that's a physical place or whether it's with someone else. It sounds like depressing Beck, which is, <laughs> which is good. Well, I think look, that's fine. I, I think, you know... I'm on board with that. This and a lot of Beck stuff live in a very similar world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you I know, know what it reminded me of? Yeah, what? Um, if you'll cast years back a few years to my um, fan vote, our penultimate episode that we do, mm. when I said uh, Soul Coffings, Chicago, mm. not Chicago. Of, uh, Ruby Vroom? Ruby Vroom. Saskatoon is in the room. That was a great. That was a great cut. Um, has some similar aesthetics to that, and I'm like, I mean, obviously, it's a huge compliment. I yeah. Eels have been a band I've been wanting to check out more seriously for a long time. I know the singles that you mentioned, David. I the year I think the volume seven or eight Horace One Hundred CD compilation has Mister E's Beautiful Blues, a song I've adored for many, many years, and um. I didn't know this song, maybe to my detriment. In fact, definitely to my detriment, because I think this was absolutely beautiful. The meandering storytelling nature of the verses, just like it sounds like you're on a rainy street in the middle of some kind of like city that you know but don't love, but you're getting through it. And yeah. Yeah, it's just like the stripped back, like just kind of bass and beats nature of it all until the piano comes in. It's the ultimate kind of, I'm sure there's a, like one of those things like, do you know the word in this language means this? But like Fully, that, yes. that, that, oh, that, really? Mm, comforting melancholy or like yeah. or, or indeed melancholic comfort like that kind of idea like this is i am comforting and this is home but like you can't escape the sadness no like, it's a part, yeah. it's a part but you but you've come to terms with it and you're going to live yeah. in the same place together and it's just this beautiful inhabiting thing like that like I, I like this enough that I went right ahead and got, got the uh, beautiful freak record. So yeah. I'm very much looking forward to checking that out. Oh, probably. cool! Oh, you're I'm, gonna love it, man. I, I, I have, if it's of this caliber, I do not doubt that for a second. This is a this really caught me off guard. I was just in the total right place to enjoy this for what a beautiful song it is. Yeah, and yeah, his, the way his voice sells it as well. Yeah, his he? voice. He's just like he's clearly he, feeling he channels. It. Like, like he, he has had a tragic motherfucker of a life. And oh, yeah. The way he, and this Definitely is the, read his book, Things the Grandchildren Should Know. It oh, is it a good one? Ripper of a read. Oh, nice. And this is even, I guess, before 
much of like before all of it had happened at least he certainly didn't have the happiest time before this like he was it wasn't going to get better from here but like he's always been able to this is like the first record he's always been able to channel that kind of the sadness that isn't like so fucking heartbreaking that it's like Nick Drake or Elliot Smith sadness where it's yeah. like it's, and I love Nick Drake and Elliot Smith mm. um, but like the way he does it is so it's not alienatingly sad like if, you, if you're not a, like someone who is in a sad mood or knows about depression you can still appreciate Everett more than you can like yeah. Elliot Smith for instance where it's like if you're like a happy person like you're just a day to day joyful person you're probably not going to get down with Elliot Smith's like figure eight because it's miserable <laughs> oh yeah um, like and it's wonderful, but like this is just very nice. Like there's a reason that I guess this is relatively not super high up, but it's in the middle of a countdown because it sounds cool as well. And like yeah. if you're like a normie like aunt, you're like, oh, it's a really lovely song. It's a great oh, song, and I can oh. see because it, it is a lovely, great song. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All the aesthetics of it, like they kind of clash between the spoken word and the singing and the piano, but it's all. In my head, remembering it, it's like you know, you know that website Rainy Mood that you put on. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, my yeah, head, yeah. Rainy, Mood. Rainy Mood is playing behind this song. Yeah, yeah right. totally. like, it wasn't on it's when really I did nice. it, but in my head, of course, there's rain in the background. Yeah. And if you can't, yeah, if you can't relate to the to the narrator kind of like being affected by the outside things, you can at least feel the melancholy of just the outside situations as yeah, well. Yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah, it's got time. that kind of level. Yeah. Whether, whether you relate to it internally or externally, in terms of what's presented in the song, yeah. there's something to relate to, like across mm. the board. Mm. I think the, that clash that you're talking about is really important as well. I think it really shows itself as an early Eels song. Mm. It's almost that art thing of like, you know, we're just going to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. There's like, you can see all the strings in this song, every part that it changes between. It's not that it's poorly crafted. It's just kind of everything's just put there and it does its job beautifully, but mm. you can also see what they're doing. Yeah. And I think there's an element of them, of E, like still honing his craft at this point. And I think the song benefits from that. I think mm. that... Mm that little bit of tension between all these different elements is really, really beautiful. And that's what makes the the verses feel as strong as they do. And in the chorus be that sort of uplifting moment of relief or, or coming home or whatever. There's no blending. He hasn't mm. tried to make it a cohesive piece of music because it's not, and it shouldn't be yeah. because the emotions aren't that's right. cohesive yeah. emotions. That's right. And I, I just think that's very lovely, especially I, I'm probably on the same level as you, Andrew, familiar with a bunch of songs. Yeah. I have the best of, but probably only like five or so songs that are like, Oh yeah, I know this song. Like, but, um, this, yeah, it, it feels like the beginning of a craft and, and finding a thing that he's going to, that, you know, you can recognize as working and, and sort of begin to hone over a, a longer mm. career or whatever. Gorgeous song. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hot Swan Hundreds and Thousands. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favorites and our least favorite songs, and we're starting with Adam Buncher. Susan's House Hell for yeah. the favorite song. And, you Hell know, yeah. I, I probably enjoyed a Heart Spark dollar sign the least out of all the others, so that is my least favorite. I'm going to go the same, yeah. I, I was weighing up between uh, Hey Dude and Heart Spark for least, but Hey Dude was fine in the moment. It was the critical discourse that made me like them less but no, <laughs> no question that eels is my favorite of the day yeah eels for favorite and cooler shaker for least favorite ditto excellente don't forget to rate review and subscribe on itunes that is a uh, great way to support and help out the podcast and get a little bit of visibility out there for the greatest podcast of all time your boys yeah your boys your boys. Oh, it's us. Oh, we're hell, the greatest. Oh, we're the greatest. Oh my god! Did you oh, read that I, time article? I didn't. I, I didn't realize it had come through already. Also, if you're a fan of me talking over people and being obnoxious, then you are in for a treat because next week is our live episode. We recorded it at the Peterson Bowling Club and we had a fucking blast doing it. Was it was great. Um, so yeah, tune in for special guests Jack R. Riley and Jen Fricker. 
Awesome. You hell of awesome a time. One of, our, one of my favorite episodes we've done. It was a really, really fun one. It was so, a blast. Uh, we think you'll enjoy listening to it as well as our dear friends and fans. Yeah. <laughs> Both of you. Always doing it for the fans. Always doing <laughs> it for the Jack. fans. Yeah, mostly for Jen and Jack, basically. Follow us on Twitter at Hottest100s100s. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harris. Bye. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good night. And Mr. Adam Buncher. Bye, dude. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for you, including Crispy and Mills. Delicious! Or like all they've got is like gluten-free bread and like marmalade and you're like oh fucking hell I don't know how to eat this (laughs) I don't know how yeah my body will reject this like just help yourself and you go just help yourself I don't usually eat much breakfast bromide what the fuck is this is there no butter the Nutella is right there how much do I do I put that in the cereal (laughs) and you go is that oh that's a bit weird (laughs) Oh. <laughs> the dad comes in from the back. Is he having Nutalex in his cereal? <laughs> Look at this kid. He's got Nutalex on his crispy and Mills. <laughs> you got some weird friends, Ben. Your son loves Nutalex. Does <laughs> he? I'll buy him some at the shops next time. Do you know what's a lot better for you than butter? I think we're just gonna have this all the time now. Oh no! Nathan, Nathan's really into it. He had it at his friend's house. I guess I'm a Nutalex kid <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> this is who I am.